Recorded live. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's uh, Josh Marion, Matt McCarthy, and Cam and Ton with you tonight. We got a lot of things to talk about in all four sports, and we have short time to do it, and we're gonna we're gonna do it quickly. So, McCarthy, what what's your burning thought on the top of your mind? Uh, the fact that I'm massively disappointed in Germany in the World Cup. I know we said we were going to do only four, but uh, yeah, no, that's, we'll that's my five. thought today. <laughs> that's my thought today. I know, I know, I'm sure Cam's got a thought on that as well. Um, no, I mean outside outside of the World Cup, I mean I'd say you know the Red Sox, uh, you know, and you know looking ahead to the Yankee series. I mean that's that's kind of where I'm putting my focus right now. <laughs> I mean it's the biggest series of the year coming up this weekend. And of course, now we got the Fortnite Kid. You know, shooting his mouth off again last night. And once again, like we said to you, Matt, last time you we were on the air, you finally said, like, hey, things are starting to get better with David Price. And he goes and makes a jackass of himself again. And it's just like, uh, I don't know what, this guy is just beyond hope. It just feels like that. It just feels like he has lost his mind to the 10th power, just sarcastically making fun of everything he's been called soft after the Memorial Day uh, when he got hit by the line drive and so on and so forth. And Sunday Night Baseball. And what will, I mean, I have to figure the, Yan- the Yankees and the Red Sox will probably split the first two games of that series because I'm sure the Yankees will get sale. That's uh, sale slated to pitch in that series, Matt. Yeah, I believe it's Rodriguez Friday, sale Saturday, uh, Price Sunday. Okay, so I'm sure the, the Red Sox actually, if it's Rodriguez and Sale, they might actually manage to win both those games. They've been the two best pitchers this year, but I'm yeah, not going to bank on that. So you're going into what would be the biggest game of the year, and David Price is going to go up against Luis Severino, who's probably right now is going to win the Cy Young, and he's going to get his, he's going to get shellacked. I'd be stunned if Price lasts four innings in that game. So just like well, there it is again. And uh, Matt, obviously we need to move quick tonight because you'll only be with us for a short amount of time. Uh, the last time we spoke was just a week after Henley Ramirez was released. Now here we are a month later, he still hasn't been signed. Last week a report comes out that he's under investigation that he might be a drug lord. And then that's shot down. So now that we, he's been quote-unquote cleared, I don't know if he's been completely cleared, but he's been cleared of any wrongdoing that night, do you think he will be signed this, uh, this year, or do you think that he's, no, no team's going to pick him up? And do you think the Red Sox should consider bringing him back? Uh, I don't think the Red Sox will consider bringing him back. And at this point, I mean, you can't, you know, from a public relations standpoint. Like, you know, what do you do? You, you cut a guy, you say it's for baseball reasons, and then all of a sudden you bring him back, like, there's no way the Red Sox will do that. They're going to go out and they're going to trade for a right-handed bat, uh, most likely. They might not be able to get as bad as good as Hanley Ramirez, um, not that Hanley is, you know, 2007 Hanley Ramirez anymore. Um, In in regards to whether he gets picked up at this point, I kind of feel like that ship has passed. You know, with everything that's gone on, you know, the reports the last few weeks or so, like, a team probably isn't going to be willing to bring in a guy with, the question surrounding Hanley, fair or not, by the way, and I still don't know if we've determined whether those questions were fair or not. I mean, we, we still basically know nothing about this alleged story, this alleged, you know, pullover of this guy who might have been Hanley's friend. Like, to be honest, we don't know crap about the situation still, but I don't think anybody's going to touch Hanley with that going on. I also kind of get the sense, like, is Hanley really that interested in playing anymore? Like, you know, there's been some chatter. It's like maybe he was going to retire. Like, this is even before, you know, all this stuff came out in the last few days. So I think we've seen the last of Handler Mirrors for really quite some time in the big leagues. Maybe next year when things kind of settle down if he's interested. But uh, to be honest, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen him play his last game in the bigs. 
What about a, I don't what about a guy like Chris Davis from from the Athletics? You know, are you looking more for an outfielder or an infielder? Oh, well, to be honest, either one. It, it doesn't really matter so long as it's a right-handed bat because they're lucky enough to have the flexibility. Like if they go out and get an infielder, you know, say they go get a guy who can play first base. Well, you can DH him. You can put Martinez in the outfield. Like they've got options. Most importantly, they just need a right-handed bat. You mentioned Chris Davis. I don't think they have the, the ammunition to get a player of Chris Davis's quality or, you know, really just with his power, to be totally honest. I don't think the Red Sox are going to be able to compete at that level of the market. I think you're much more likely going to see them get Mark Khanna, uh, Davis's teammate, uh, out there in Oakland because he's going to be a much cheaper option. And frankly, you know, Mark Khanna might not be a bad fit for this team. I mean, I don't know if they need you know, a, you know, a guy that you can slot into the lineup every day, they might just literally need a guy who can platoon and hit against lefties and get Bradley's bat out of the lineup. Uh, you know, however you go about doing that, being putting Martinez in the outfielder, outfield, acquiring an outfielder, like there are lots of ways they can do it. They likely just need a platoon quality uh, right-handed bat who can hit some lefties. Now, McCarthy, what is your, what is your bigger focus on as we approach the deadline? Do you want an eighth? If you had to pick one or the other, because we know their farm system is barren, they probably will be able to address both. But what's the bigger need, an eighth-inning guy or an end-of-the-order right-handed bat? It's an eighth-inning guy uh, because that's how you win in baseball in 2018. Uh, and the Red Sox will not be able to win with this bullpen. I will say, though, Joe Kelly's not close. doing it for you? Joe Kelly is not going to do it for me. I don't, do you want Joe Kelly pitching the wild card game against Nelson Cruz <laughs> in the eighth <laughs> inning? Like, Absolutely you know, we talk not. about the circle of trust. Joe Kelly, no matter, and he's just well this year. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to disparage Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly is outside the circle of trust. You're much better off if Kelly is your second or third option when it comes to setup than your first option. I need a guy I can trust, and ultimately I don't trust Joe Kelly in the biggest situation. Uh, so I think bullpen is absolutely their biggest need, but I will say right-handed bat is creeping pretty much up there. Like, it's 1A and 1B, but bullpen is still 1A. I mean, I agree with you, Matt. I mean, like Jim Murray says, spin the wheel of gutless bums. and just, no, <laughs> You can even include Kimbrell in that list. Unless it's a safe situation, I don't trust Kimbrell. Well, and so, you know, uh, look at Craig Kimbrell's you know, biggest moments, the two biggest moments of his career, 2011, Game 162, when he's pitching for the Braves, he fails. Game 4 last year, the biggest playoff game he's pitched in, he fails. Yeah, and do you trust him in you know, more than just a three-out save situation? I, I don't know. I mean, listen, he's way down on the list of concerns, but it's a legitimate concern. Now, do you think Pomerantz, when he returns, can help the bullpen? Yes, I do, because he's been successful in the past. Um, he's pitched well out of the bullpen at times in his career. I mean, you know, he's basically spent half of his career, maybe not half at this point, but he's spent a fair chunk of his career as a bullpen arm. And a lot has been made of his velocity this year. You put him in the bullpen when he's pitching to one or two guys, you know, maybe that velocity on the fastball ticks up a little bit. So, yeah, I, I like Pomerantz, the bullpen option, uh, a, a lot, or at least enough to give him a try, uh, hopefully if he's back before the trading deadline. With right now going on the DL, something tells me they're going to try and put him back in the starting rotation, which to me I, I don't think helps the Red Sox in the long term. I think it helps them in the long term if they put him in the bullpen. But also remember he's a free agent at the end of the year, and something tells me that – they don't necessarily want to screw the guy by putting him in the bullpen because that kills his value. Like, you know, they're not going to, you know, do him dirty, but ultimately you got to do what's right for the team. 
Well, right. And ultimately, right now, if the playoffs start tonight and they win the division, we know the four. Put them in whatever order you want, but it's Sale, Rodriguez, Price, and Porcello, correct? Yes. Yeah, 100%. Um, in, in, in whatever order you want, I'd probably go Sale, Price, um, Porcello, Rodriguez, just because I don't, I don't trust Rodriguez. But then again, I, I don't trust Sale or Price or Porcello either. So either way, it doesn't matter how you're right. lining you, up. You don't but, have a starter who's won a playoff game. Yeah, 100%. And at least, you know, there have been – there's a pretty good sample size of Porcello and Price not doing anything uh, in the playoffs. Sale obviously, you know, doesn't have too big of a sample size. But no, I mean the, the point is valid. But your point is also valid that whether it's Wright or Pomerantz or Velazquez or whoever your fifth starter is, likely they're not pitching uh, in the playoffs anyway as a starting pitcher. So let's switch okay, gears to the Bruins. Let's 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 switch gears to hashtag Devira's watch. <laughs> What's your what's your thoughts on that, Matt? Like, is he a must-have for the Bruins? You, no. Do you want Rick Nash back? Definitely not Rick Nash. Uh, we, not Rick Nash. That guy is a grade-A loser, a losing player. I don't want anything to do with Rick Nash. I've seen enough. I'm good. Another Rick Nash disappearing act in the playoffs. Thanks. I'm good. You know, go off somewhere, make more money, you overrated hack. So no Rick Nash. John Tavares is fascinating to me because, I mean, we didn't really think that this was, they were going to be in the running for him. And you've kind of had to really wrap your mind around the fact that they're going to be a legitimate contender for him over the course of the last few days. I'll say this. I will not complain if they sign John Tavares, but I'm not 100% advocating for it. And here's why nothing against the player. I love the player. However, in a hard cap league is the Bruins biggest need center or blue line moving forward. And I'd say 100% it is blue line. They have a bunch of, to be totally honest, third-pairing defensemen. Chara at this point is a second-pairing defenseman. They have nobody for the future to pair alongside Chucky McAvoy. All right, Chucky Cheeks. So eventually they <laughs> need to make a big investment on the blue line. I don't think it's this offseason. I don't think there's that piece out there. But I want to maintain my flexibility moving forward that they can go out and sign that big number one top pairing defenseman to pair alongside McAvoy for the next five, ten years. Like, you need to find the next Zidane Chara. And if you go out and you get John Tavares, does that prevent you from doing that maybe next year? Like, it, it might. So I think you need to think long and hard about that. I think it's almost more of a luxury for the Bruins at this point than anything. Uh, I'm with you, McCarthy. I mean, look, I love John Tavares. He's one of my favorite players in the league. I mean, he's just a, he's a flat-out sniper. He's just phenomenal. And I, but I will agree with you on this. I mean, right now, you have no one to play alongside Charlie McAvoy, as you just said. I mean, tr- ideally, Chara and Carlo are your second pair that you put out mm-hmm. to the penalty kill and defensive zone, zone, zone situations. Jesus. And um, you alongside McAvoy, and next year, Eric Carlson and Drew Doughty are both free agents. Now, they're both going to work demand 10 million a year or like, like Tavares is, but they're going to both going to want to set the defenseman market because right now the highest paid D man is PK Subban at 9 million a year with the predators. And are you going to argue that Carlson and Dowdy are the two best players in the NHL? I think Carlson is the best player in the NHL. Dowdy is a very close second. Maybe you probably put Crosby or Ovechkin between those two, but you look at it like that. They obviously need to address the D line, the, the blue line. Hannafin just got traded to Calgary. That was a guy they wanted at the draft three years ago and has killed them when they played him. And he just goes to Calgary for a former Bruin and Dougie Hamilton. So that's out the window. And so 
it has to come in via trade this offseason because I, they're not going to sign John Carlson. Carlson just re-signed in Washington. I didn't want them to to begin with. Yeah, you and, vote. <laughs> so it's going to come either in the free agency market next offseason, which has not done them well. I mean, this is what worries me now about the Bruins. Now that they're here, now that they're ready to win, Don Sweeney's NHL moves have been dreadful between Matt Bolesky, David Backus, you know, he trades away. He, he gets a great return from Elon Lucic and lets it leak away in Colin Miller, who goes out and plays top four minutes for the Golden Knights all the way into the cup final. Uh, and on and on. And on. The Rick Nash trade, giving up a first-round pick. When you're a good drafter, the one thing we know Don Sweeney can do is draft well. And he gives up a first-round pick for Joe Thornton Jr. So <laughs> it's just it, – his initial moves have just not been good. And I'm, I do commend him, though, for staying away from Ilya Kovacic because that contract he got from the Kings exactly. is outrageous. The fact if the Bruins contract. gave him, if the Bruins gave him that contract, I might not watch them this. Year. I might not not have watched them this year. I mean, that's just absolutely brutal. Uh, Matt, while we got you here, we're going to move on quickly to the to the Boston Celtics. Obviously, massive off season for them. You know, Kawhi Leonard available via trade. Uh, Stephen A. Smith three weeks ago says that LeBron James will sit down and talk with them in a, in this free agency this off season. So let me ask you, when it comes to Kawhi Leonard, what would you give up for Kawhi if it was purely a one-year rental? And then what would you give up for Kawhi if he does give you assurance that he was at an extension here? So if Kawhi gives you assurances that he's staying in Boston and willing to stay here and, and you know, play under an extension, I give up Jalen Brown in that situation. Um, if he's not willing to give you assurances, which I don't anticipate that he will, I have a hard time parting with Brown in that trade. And that's not to say that I'm one of these people that deems Jalen Brown untouchable. Like, I have, I've never been a huge Jalen Brown fan. I'm not, not to say that I dislike the kid at all. Uh, but I still just – I think there's a ceiling there, and I don't – I think we overrate him a little bit. I, I'll put it to you that way. So – but at the same time, I'm not going to trade him for a guy that I'm only going to keep for one year. So I think you need to draw the line in the sand on that one. I do. I have, a, I have a tough time parting with Brown if you're only keeping Leonard for one year. If Leonard's staying, take Jalen Brown. It's fine because Kawhi Leonard you know, essentially replaces him. Like You hope that Jalen Brown turns into Kawhi Leonard. You pray that he does. No guarantees that he will. So if you can get Kawhi Leonard for more than one year <laughs> you know, for Jalen Brown, the guy that you're praying turns into Ka- Kawhi Leonard, like to me, that's a no-brainer. I, I just the problem is, I think that's unrealistic. I do. Well, McCarthy, you know, Jalen Brown got some Defensive Player of the Year votes, so he's a big-time defensive player now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Marcus Smart didn't get many uh, <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year votes, right? And he's you know freaking <laughs> out over that because it's going to hurt him on the on the market. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I'm not here to disparage Jalen Brown. Uh, I think you know he's a heck of a young player. <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, man, I don't know. If, if, uh, my take on this is if Kawhi gives you uh, insurance, assurance that he will stay, I would give up Brown. I would give up the Kings pick. Mm-hmm. And probably it feels like, like – but if it's not, it's Rozier, Marcus Morris, and the Memphis pick, and that's where I draw the line. Because it feels, yeah, Marcus, yeah, Morris feels like, Marcus Morris feels like he's on his way out of here anyway. He's already worried about his role next year. He's going to – Pretty, he's, he's probably going to be this year's Avery Bradley. They're probably going to have to trade him just for some cap flexibility. It feels like Marcus Morris is on his way out. Yeah, I have now, a hard time seeing Morris sticking I, around. I, I do. What were you so, about to say, Josh? So, so McCarthy, let's, let's get you out of here on this if you're, if you're up against it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Who, who would you rank in, in the four major sports 
in Boston who's in the best position to succeed going forward, championship-wise? This is a really tough question, and I know that it's a question that's that's been asked a number of times. Um, I would probably put the Celtics number one at this point. I would, um, you know, with or without acquiring Kawhi Leonard, just because I think their their window is wide open, and you know, I, I'm not necessarily looking at this question as like who's in the best position to succeed this year because the Celtics might still be a year or two away. I mean, if they stand pat and they're going to let, you know, uh, Brown and Tatum grow, like it might take a year or two to get on the golden state level. Like, you know, there's still that you got to get past the warriors and, you know, you don't know where LeBron's going to go. So long-term, like if we're looking at this from like a five year perspective, I'd say Celtics number one. Um, are, are, so is, is, is that the question we're asking kind of five year or just like this year? Oh, no, five-year. Celtics number one. I'm going to say Red Sox number two, and here's why. Really? Yes, because in baseball. Over the Bruins. I don't know if the Bruins, again, the Bruins need to add a couple big pieces, you know, and that's going to be hard. Like, the Bruins are, are on the doorstep, and they need to bust open the doorstep, and I think that's harder in the NHL than Then in baseball, here's my point. Like, okay, the Red Sox farm system sucks. Like, they've got all these guys, you know, coming up over the next few years. Their contracts are ending. Chris Sale, Craig Kimbrell, like, run down the list. But in baseball, it's just money. And the Red Sox have gobs of money. Like, the Red Sox can always compete. There's no excuse for the Red Sox to never compete. Whereas in hockey, like, what happens if Bergeron and Marchand and Krejci kind of age and and the Bruins don't have – you know, those guys coming up behind them, or they don't get help on the blue line, they don't find that elite blue chip type of guy to play alongside McAvoy, and they're kind of stuck where they are right now. That's why I say Red Sox number two, Bruins number three, and, and obviously Patriots number four over the course of five years. Like, Tom Brady's not going to play forever. But, listen, the Bruins and the Red Sox, you can, you can swap them both. Point being, I think the Red Sox, the Bruins, and the Celtics are all in very good positions to move forward. I'm with you, Matt, and it feels like you know. It feels like the Patriots have at most two years left, and yeah. because it feels like if, I think we all agree that this feels like this is Belichick's last year. I mean, Josh McDaniels ruined his reputation by doing what he did to the Colts. Yeah. So the only re- the only way he did that was if he got a wink, wink, nod, nod from Robert Kraft that he's the next head coach in waiting because he's never gonna get another, he's never gonna get another interview again, never mind another job again because he completely dragged his name through the mud doing what he did. The Patriots, I mean, and I don't think they're going to win in the next two years. I just think this roster is not good enough. I really, I just have, that's how I feel. I think the Patriots' run is over, and that pains me to say, but I don't think they're going to win another championship. And it's, that's terrible because you traded away your future to go all in in these next two or three years, and you've done exactly the opposite. You've let half your team go yeah. because, of a, because, because of a petty sniping match between the coach and the quarterback. It's just, I mean, just more, more of putting themselves ahead of the team, which is what they've never done over the last two decades. You know, what what we haven't talked about with the Patriots, and and, and sorry to interrupt you there, Cam, for 15 seconds, what we haven't talked about enough with the Patriots this offseason is they really haven't improved the team that much. Like, they didn't fix the defense. Like, first and foremost, they didn't fix the defense, and now they're going to kind of feel the pain from essentially not drafting for three years, which is basically what they did. They did not draft for essentially three years because they traded away the picks, they lost the first rounder, like, run down the list. 
you're going to start I mean, to build the their... paint roster wise. Well, you know right, what, Kathy? You... We just got uh, we just got Dante Hightower back, and uh, Jason <laughs> McCordy's playing with his brother. So, <laughs> listen, uh, it's not like they're going to be you know six and ten this year, but I, I think we can all anybody with <laughs> eyes can see that they're not trending in the right direction. I mean, they're going to be heavily inflated by their division. I mean, they're probably going to go ten and six or eleven and five. I don't think they're winning 12 games because, A, I think their schedule is tougher than people give it credit for. Um, and, uh, B, I just, like I said before, they just, their roster is not very good. And do, do we think Brady's going to be the same guy this year? He's showed up for three days of mandatory minicamp, and the rest of the time he's been in Monaco on a dinghy or <laughs> with, sitting down with Oprah. And, look, I'm on Brady's side in the spinning match because, ultimately, I think Belichick made this personal first. And I think Brady's acting as a human being and is returning the favor. But I never once suggested – that this is going to help Brady. You add this all up. And also, if you're a member on that team this year, when Bill's talking, he says, this is what's best for the team. How do you not roll your eyes at that now? Oh, you mean like, you mean like going to a basketball game the week of the Super Bowl and then benching our best corner because of your personal vendetta? So it's just like, how do you look at that the same way? Brady hasn't put in the work. The tight end's off the reservation. Amendola, Cooks, Solder are all gone. The defense didn't get better. If they weren't in the AFC East, this would not be a playoff roster. Well, you still do have the quarterback who, again, you know, listen, it was the MVP last year. Now, I don't think he's going to play at that level this year. I think they're a playoff roster. I mean, just based on the fact that you have the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, but you, you, I don't necessarily disagree with your overall point that they're a product of, of a division and, frankly, a product of a weak AFC, to be totally honest. And the AFC I mean, really it's a three-team conference. It, it, yeah. It's New England, Jacksonville, and Pittsburgh. We, one, I bet my life that one of those three teams are coming out of the AFC this year, unless there's a, a big injury or somebody breaks out. What McCarthy, about the you... Raiders, baby? <laughs> the Raiders. I, I just feel like – I just. I mean, look, I'm a Gruden, Gruden fan. Gruden. I, I'm a Gruden fan, but I'm not a Derek Carr fan. Uh, McCarthy, before you go, can you give us 60 seconds of the World Cup? Yes, absolutely. So you just want me to spit a take or you have a question about it? Huh. Is this England's year? I think it's not their year to win the World Cup, but I think they're going to advance uh, pretty deep into the tournament. Um, I, I like Belgium. I do. I, I, re- I really do. And, and listen, you want to talk about two teams okay. that have never delivered to their, their capabilities. I mean, this is Belgium's golden era. This is their chance. It just kind of feels like, though, this year, guys, and, and Cam, you know, you know more about soccer than I do. It just feels like one of those years where it's like a team like Croatia is just going to go deep into the tournament, and you're going to get some, like, math matchups. I mean, hell, Germany's out. You know, all the, these big-name nations didn't even make it. It seems like a year where something freaky might happen. Maybe that does benefit England, because I don't think they're the most talented team in the world, but with a lot of these perceived talented teams, not exactly looking great or, hell, not even making it far enough, you know, not even advancing, you know, like Germany. I don't know. Maybe that does benefit England. I'm still taking Belgium, though. I am. I mean, if you look at the, the final four of the last World Cup, one of them missed this World Cup. That was the Netherlands. Yeah. Germany went out in group play. Argentina barely got by. <laughs> I mean, barely got by. And Brazil looks great, but, I mean, we, we know Brazil. I mean, since – the golden days of Pele and Ronaldinho and all of them, they've been perpetual choking dogs over the last 15 years themselves, which I find it funny that Brazil was trolling Germany today when Germany put, well, yeah, I will go to my favorite thing, the biggest ass-kicking I've ever seen in my life on them oh, in the last World Cup. 
was it seven one eight one? I mean, just just massive. Yeah, no. Listen, was, Brazil looks good, but I, I'm not I'm not sold on them. Like, I mean, to me, Neymar might break down. Like, I, I'm I'm not sold on Brazil either. Cam, you you know more about this than I do. I feel like this this tournament is totally wide open at this point. Portugal. I mean, look, it, it certainly feels that way. I mean, Por- Portugal looks great. You know, Argentina barely gets through. Spain's going to go against the host nation in the first game of the knockout round. That's never easy. Um, you, you see all these, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, did Iceland get through? I don't think they did. Um, no, Iceland did not get through. I, I was disappointed by them. And, you know, granted, a nation of 348,000 people, like, I shouldn't be disappointed. But that group was there. There was <laughs> success to be had in that group. Like, Nigeria is not great. Argentina sucked. You get a point against Argentina, the perceived class of the group, in your first game, and you don't get a single point after that. Like, I was disappointed by Iceland. I was. Um, but yeah, and, it's, it's, it's been a wild tournament so far, no doubt about it. And like you said, I mean, four – I mean, Italy, who has been the perpetual soccer superpower of, yep. the, of our lifetimes. I mean, they've won four or five World Cups. They don't make it. The Netherlands don't make it. Chile wins two Copas. They miss. Obviously, the United States blow it against Trinidad. And they miss. So it's just been a weird... Ghana. I mean, Ghana has been the best team from Africa for what, like you know, the last ten, fifteen years. Uh, Ghana didn't make it. I mean, you, you look at. I don't rule out the possibility that we're sitting here like you just said, McCarthy, and in two weeks' time we have a World Champions of Croatia or yeah. someone like that. It really feels like it's that kind of World Cup t- uh, tonight. And uh, Matt, before you go, we'll give you sixty seconds to give out whatever final thought you want. Yeah, uh, just final thought. Why don't we stick with soccer because it's on the mind. Uh, I have followed the Netherlands national team uh, for quite some time. My mom actually spent about half of her childhood in Holland, so I've kind of adopted them as my world superpower. Uh, Yeah, it it sucks that they're not there. Apparently things are not going well in their national program, so I'm hoping that they can get it turned around. Uh, Overall, other than that, uh, just kind of final thoughts. Again, don't trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard. And uh, let's see what the Red Sox do this weekend. I think you're going to be surprised by David Price on Sunday. I do, because you know what? For as much of a putz as he is, he's pitched pretty well. And people say (laughs) that he doesn't pitch well against the Yankees. I was there on Sunday night last year when he tossed like eight innings of one-run ball and struck out like ten. So I think David Price is going to surprise you on Sunday night. I do. Have you I'll ever right, seen McCarthy. or played Fortnite, McCarthy? <laughs> I have never seen, nor have I played Fortnite. I'm, I'm, I'm not in my video game uh, prime. Uh, you know, this is not 10, 15 years ago when I could game with the best of them. I have not played Fortnite, but maybe I will have to do it uh, for research purposes only. Most definitely. All right. All right, Matt, thank you for coming on. I wish you hadn't told us that about the Netherlands, because I am not a fan of Iron Robin, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll cut it. I like Van Persie, but Iron Robin, I couldn't stand. So, oh uh, well, I mean, he, he, he's a diving little bitch, but uh, he's electrifying. <laughs> kind of what, he, he, listen, is he as big of a diving little bitch as Neymar? I say not. Or no, I, I agree. Mario. I can't stand Neymar. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, guys. Always, always enjoy coming on with you. Anytime right. we can talk soccer too, I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> all right, we'll have you back Anytime on before the you final. Want to come on, you're always welcome. <laughs> Good stuff, guys. Thanks, Matt. Anytime, guys. Good to talk to you, Cam. Right, Good to talk care. to you, Josh. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, Josh, I'll, um, I'll, I'll wrap it up. I'll give you my final thought right now. And I, I want to dedicate my final thought to this. And I think uh, a good point was made today, uh, by, excuse me, last night by Adam Jones and Christian Arcand of 98.5, the sports hub, where Matt McCarthy, our guest, works. 
and that is this. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim are visiting the Boston Red Sox uh, this week, and the Angels bring in a player who you could argue has had the best first half by a baseball player ever. He's played 1,000 games in his career now. He's never gone more than two games without, without not reaching base. So he's never gone a series, a full three-game series, where he didn't reach base at least once. Just put that in perspective. He's been in the big leagues now six and a half years. That's unbelievable. And is obviously, I'm talking about Mike Trout, just played his 1,000th game, has more home runs at this point of his career than Barry Bonds did, has almost as many hits to this point in his career as Pete Rose did, has better numbers all around to this point of his career than Ken Griffey Jr. did. And nobody, and I mean nobody, cares about this guy. And I, I don't know him from Adam. He doesn't, do, he doesn't do any commercials except for those subway ads he did about five years ago with a Robert Griffin III. So... That's the problem with baseball right there. Mike Trout, when he retires, might be the best all-around baseball player to ever live. And he does not move the needle in the least. And baseball needs to do something about that. I mean, when he, had, when he was at bat last night, Josh, let me ask you, did you drop what you were doing to watch Mike Trout hit? I, I was at work, but I probably would have, yeah. You're, you're, you're a rare exception. Now, when they play the Washington Nationals next week, I will drop what I'm doing to watch Bryce Harper, watch them face Bryce Harper. And I drop what they're doing, what I'm doing to watch Aaron Judge, what I'm to watch Giancarlo Stanton, to watch Manny Machado. But Mike Trout. Even Glaber Torres. Even Glaber Torres. And Mookie Betts, even though he's on my team, whenever I know he's at bat, I put the game on because I want to see what he'll do. Mike Trout, exactly the opposite. He's just as bland as it gets. He's on an identity list team. And that's a shame because, like I said earlier, he might be the most complete baseball player to ever live, and nobody knows a thing about him. And that's where I'll end it there, Josh. Good talking to you tonight, my friend. Uh, I'll be with you soon. All righty. All right. Have a good night, man. All right, man. So I guess my final thought, you know, I'm just going to piggyback on that for for a second. I'm not the biggest Mike Trout fan either. I, You know, and it's, it's not to just to disrespect him. I I think he's just he seems just like another guy, and that and that's hard to say for a guy with that type of talent. On the Angels, he he's getting buried over there. He needs to be on a better roster, like the Cubs, like like us, like the Yankees, like he, the Angels are never they're not going anywhere with this lineup, like. Pujols is in their top four, and he's declining. He needs to go. As far as Carmelo Anthony goes, that was a straight money move from him signing that player option for nearly $27 million. This this guy's done. He, he would have never got that money anywhere else. If he went anywhere else, he would have he been lucky if he got $15 million even averaging 16 points last season. Carmelo, he's a team killer. He's a, he's a, Terrell, he's a Terrell Owens of, of the NBA. And as I speak, Rick, Rick Borsell, that's a fun single go down the line. That's, that's, really, that's really escalated. But um, all right, we're out of here. Um, have a great night, everybody. Whenever you listen to this, I, hope, I really hope you enjoy it. And, it's been real.